necessary to know that everybody won't see it, that everybody won't join you, that everybody won't have the vision. It's necessary to know that, that a lot of people like to complain, but they don't want to do anything about their situation, that you are an uncommon breed. You know, you have to know within yourself that I can do this even if no one else sees it for me, I must see it for myself. That's necessary. This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, presented by Four Roses. That's how we set the tone coming in on a happy Thursday edition. This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon, and we are keeping the good times rolling, trying to at least, amidst everything that's going on, here on this Thursday edition. Uber Stories Part 6. Here's what we got for you. The stories get progressively better so that you'll want to finish this entire thing. I mean, if you don't, what are you even doing, okay? But you're going to want to finish this entire thing because the stories build on each other. They get progressively better from start to finish. We start with a pretty funny story about a case of lost and found, all right? I got a story about a car crash, a close call with law enforcement from someone who fit the description, what it's like to spend $17,000 in a strip club, a guy who had just walked out of a meeting with his boss and gave a TED Talk on management that I stand for, all right? The ultimate nice-for-what writer. How to leave your disabled husband, okay? Savage, right? But I think you'll understand her perspective if you listen to this one, okay? A real estate lady who had me rolling. I opened her up and let her vent, and I'm sitting in the front like the whole time going, go off queen, all right? And... A story that didn't make the cut last week, but I told it to a writer, and he thought it was hilarious. So I figured I'll go ahead and toss it on as well this week and see what you guys think, okay? Plus, craziest shit I saw all week and a couple pretty good one-liners as well. Plus, some stuff on Jacob Blake and the NBA canceling the games. Here's what happened. I got, I was in the studio, had every intention to release this yesterday on Wednesday, and I was in the studio from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. I finally popped my head up at 7 p.m., hadn't looked at anything, phone was on Do Not Disturb, TVs in the studio were off, I go upstairs to grab some dinner, I'm about to tape, and then boom, turn on the TV to eat, and... NBA has canceled its games. So I figured, you know what, we'll go ahead and dive into this a little bit. So I've got some stuff on Jacob Blake and the NBA and MLB uh, postponing their games. I have a take on Tom Brenneman and uh, cancel culture and and what he said and kind of where that has gone, as well as uh, the people... God, the people in uh, this city that are just so susceptible to fake news but are the first to decry fake news everywhere else. And really, I mean, it's just you guys are fucking hypocrites. So I'll get to that stuff after we do Uber stories. And I want to tell you guys and take a minute to tell you guys about what we've got coming up. So tomorrow... And, 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 oh, and, and by the way, like that's that, you know, I started to get into like as soon as I came back down or I came up for air at 7 p.m. And then I'm like, oh man, I've got a lot more stuff I need to get to in this episode. And then I came back down to the studio after dinner, started going through everything. And then two, three hours later, I'm like, I can't tape and put something out at 11 p.m. No one's going to listen to it at 11 p.m. So, um, here we are. Okay. 
tomorrow, and I hate to do this back-to-back, but that's just the way this week went. And you know what? I'm accepting that. I'm moving past it because good content is good content, and uh, it's worth the wait. I really, really put a lot of time and effort into this episode in particular, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it, and I hope you do. And tomorrow, I have an awesome interview with a guy named Tim Schladen. Tim is a licensed counselor and a social worker who has held a private practice for 24 years working with individuals, couples, groups, and facilitating workshops for both men and women. Addiction is one of the areas he specializes in, as well as vulnerability, empathy, self-compassion, and shame resilience. Tim came over to the basement studio, we turned on the mics, and it was nothing but some of the realest talk that you will have heard on this podcast for about an hour straight. We go about an hour, we cover a lot of those themes, we go really deep on addiction. Tim has been sober for 34 years, but at one point was addicted to crack cocaine and alcohol, and we get really raw talking about his rock bottom and his renaissance as a human being after making some pretty big changes to his life. So I speak very openly and candidly about my experiences and my struggles with addiction, something that I haven't spent a ton of time on, uh, but nevertheless feel very comfortable talking about that with anyone. It's not that I'm I'm not comfortable speaking about it, it's just, you know, (laughs) I haven't done a lot of that on this podcast, but that's okay because as these interviews come up, um, that's kind of my outlet to do that, and so... I'm very comfortable talking about that with anybody. It's really good stuff, okay? And and we got cut a little short because I had an appointment. I had to run, uh, and so we kind of had a hard out at an hour, but I, I honestly think we could have probably sat there and talked for four hours or five hours, like, and, and there would not have been a dull moment. So really excited. That's going to be tomorrow. Again, I hate to drop back-to-back episodes, but you know what? Actually, do I hate it? Back to back. No, not really. Okay. But um I'm I'm really trying. You know, I, I just I sat down yesterday and I started going through all these stories and it I had so much content that I, I, I didn't anticipate having that much. And then I was like, man, I guess I should have probably started on this a little bit earlier. And so I'm really trying to do like a, a, a Tuesday or Wednesday and a Friday. But hey, this week you're getting Thursday and Friday. And uh, that's just what you get. Okay. I'm really excited for this one to drop tomorrow. I'm, I'm really enjoying getting to speak with these guests that I've had on lately. And I hope that you're enjoying these interviews too. And when I set out to do this, my goal was to help people, to empower and inspire and motivate. And what I've realized is these interviews, they have to be personal. Like, so while I might be talking about my experiences, my hope is that through you listening to that, it might encourage you to examine some of these themes and topics as they relate to your life and to seek out someone to speak with about them if they do. Hit me up. I'd be happy to talk to you, okay? But I guess what I'm trying to say is that sometimes I struggle with this internal dialogue of telling myself, ask questions that can invoke responses that are broad and appeal to and help many, right? Because I don't want to feel like I'm like, I'm like, am I being conceited? Am I just talking about myself, right? And then once I get that response from from whoever I'm interviewing and I respond by sharing a story or, or personal experience about whatever it is that we're talking about, there's this voice in my head that's going, am I making this too much about me? And, and what I would say to that is, I, you know, I don't know, maybe, but isn't that the whole point? Like, who am I helping if I can't help myself, you know? How am I keeping it real by keeping this shit to myself, okay? So I, I think personalizing this information and, and sharing things with that person and then subsequently with you, the listener, helps both of us, 
Or at least I hope that it is, and I hope that it does. And I hope that me exploring these topics helps you to also look within and ask some of these same questions. Or that you can hear something that one of my guests says and go, hmm, it's pretty good. I should start doing that. Okay, And it's not always going to be like this. Like I'll, I'll have other guests on where we just talk sports or talk whatever, but at least for right now, this is really what I've needed. You know, I've, I've needed this. Okay, These people, these insights, I feel like I'm fixing myself one week at a time, just bootstrapping it, man. Climbing back from the depths of depression and anxiety that had such a fucking death grip on me just three months ago. It's amazing what three months can do. It's, imagine what it, it's amazing what a good week can do, okay? But I can honestly say... I haven't felt as good as I have in these last three months as I have in years. 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. May of 2017 was my rock bottom, and it's been a slow and steady progression ever since then with many more lows, some highs. It's not all been bad, all right? But I feel like after a brief detour, I'm finally back on the right path, my path. I'm on this journey, and I don't know where it's going to go, but I can tell you that I'm fucking going for it. I'm all in. And it's a beautiful thing. And again, this is why I'm so I'm so happy like doing my own thing and blazing my own trail where I'm free to dive into topics that really interest me and I can really add a lot of depth to and, and that have nothing to do with sports, okay? Right? And, and that was never going to happen at the last place. And that was never going to happen had Sweeney ever hit me back and the thing with 680 ever worked out. Like, not the guests, not the topics, not the way in which I'm able to express myself, not the way in which I'm able to tell stories, not the stories that conservative bosses would have told me not to do, places not to go. Like, now I'm free to go wherever I want, to talk to whoever I want, and and about whatever we want. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the people that I've had on recent weeks and the people that I'm excited to continue introducing and having on the show moving forward. We're just getting started, and I can promise you that. So please, please, please subscribe to this podcast. Leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I see the numbers. There's more of you listening each week than there are reviews on Apple Podcasts. Let's try to get those numbers looking identical, okay? Please, help me out, all right? I, this is like, I, I don't ask for much, all right? I give you content, and I don't, I don't ask for anything in return except you to leave me a little rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Seems pretty, seems pretty simple, okay? We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. You're going to want to be following along on Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomp18 and on Facebook at RealTalkWBennyT for some exclusive offers coming in the next couple months. More on that in a minute. But first, I want to begin this podcast today with a topic that I've been talking about a lot recently here, which is quality time. Quality time with quality people. Uh, I had talked about trying to get together a dinner group and a dinner party and doing that. And I did that. This past Sunday, I got 15, 16 of my close friends, of people that really give me life and energy, and I got them all together. And I cooked pasta and Texas toast for 16 people. I hunted down the chairs. I got the tables. I got these really nice white and red checkered tablecloths like you would see in an Italian restaurant. I put a couple candles out. My girl came over. She helped me cook in the kitchen. Crisis averted. Oh my God. Talk about a fucking panic attack. We, I've literally cooked all the meat. Okay. Four things of ground turkey for everybody. I've got five or six things of fettuccine that's boiling, and all of a sudden, I've got 
three or four minutes into this boiling uh, pasta on the stove, the stove dies. Our stove fucking died. And it's like two people have already showed up, okay? There's about an maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes until I said, hey, food's going to be on the table. I'm looking at her going, what the fuck do we do? Do I take these boiling pots and go to my next door neighbor and be like, hey, neighbor, can I uh, use your stove for five minutes? <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do. And, 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 and here it is like, you know, four or five days later, the stove never turned back on. I have no idea. I don't know if it just got overheated or whatever, but I don't know how old it is. I think it's probably pretty old, like over 10 years old. I don't know. But it died. It died. Our stove died. So rest in peace to the stove. Um, luckily, because the pasta had been, like the, the water had been boiling, uh, the pasta continued to cook, you know, for another five or six minutes. And we served it up al dente, all right? It was a little, little uh, couple pieces that were a little chunky, okay, stuck together, but it was a hit. People really liked it. Had three different sauces, vodka sauce, marinara sauce, Alfredo sauce, had the meat. Uh, a handful of girls brought, over a couple of appetizers. We had a caprese salad. A couple people brought desserts, brownies, and ice cream. And it was really, truly a special, special thing to just kind of huddle up. And I tell you know, at the beginning, uh, when, whenever, when the food was ready and everybody's sitting down, it's kind of quiet. And I took that as a moment to, to raise a glass and I gave a toast. And I just said, listen, the quarantine really made me think about the people, you know, spending all that time alone, it made me think about who I was missing and who I couldn't live without and who I really wanted to see when all of this ended. And also who 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 I could probably live without, okay, right? But in that sense, I'm looking out at this table of 15, 16 people that that mean a lot to me and that I was really tickled all came and were at this event and just to see everybody together, which was just kind of like, um, you know, people that don't really hang out all that much outside of like, like, you know, meeting people for the first time. Like it, it was like, it wasn't like everybody knew each other. Like most people knew a couple people at the table, but it was really cool. It was really special. And I love that. And it was really just quality time with quality people. That's what I'm on. That's what I'm trying to do more of. And I don't know if I'll do it every week, but at least once a month, doesn't always have to be pasta. We can do a taco night or burgers or something, but I'm going to do that. That's a new tradition. And moving forward, uh, the first one went awesome. And so thanks to everybody that showed up. Um, but it was like quality time with quality people. Also a theme, um, I, I saw my guy, Aaron Harris, got to give a shout out. He is a personal trainer at LAC Westport where I work out in the mornings and he's come to a couple CrossFits and um, I saw him in the morning this week when, when like, like Tuesday and, uh, you know, he, he was just, he's one of those dudes that always has a smile on his face, always smiling, my favorite kind of people, right? And he was like, hey, I, I see you in here grinding, like, are you reaching for something? Are you going for something? And I said, man, I'm going for everything right now. I'm all in. I'm all in right now. And he was like, yeah, because I've noticed a lot of times people who do CrossFit are really trying to better themselves and they're reaching because it's so hard. So I was just curious if you find that to be true as well. 
And he said, you know, kind of that old saying, birds of a feather flock together. And to that, I was like, if you run around with losers, you're going to end up a loser. It's necessary to get the losers out of your life if you want to live your dreams. <laughs> and he was like, yes, yes. And I'm like, fuck yeah, baby. And that's why we came in today with Les Brown, because that's what that is. Uh, that's Just Win by Jeezy, the track. But Les Brown is the motivational speaker who's speaking if you if you uh, type in Les Brown on uh, YouTube, there is like it's like it comes on like an old VHS tape, and it it looks probably like he's giving a speech in the 80s or 90s. It's probably in the 90s, but it just looks really really old. Um, but man, he is. It's been a 36 minute video on YouTube. Check it out. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. I love Les Brown. Okay, but when he said that birds of a feather flock together, I'm like, yeah, damn right they do, baby. And I and he was like, man, let me get your number. And I sent him that video, and I was like, this is what I was talking about this morning. You gotta, you gotta watch this. You gotta watch this. So good shit. But that's what we're on right now. Quality time with quality people. Um, new sponsor announcement. I told you guys about Slimzy. Okay, and until things are finalized, I like I I really kind of go back and forth with this. Like, should I say anything? Um, but for you know, be just for whatever reason, if it doesn't work out and the deal falls apart, and then I'm left looking like an idiot, you know? But you know what? Like, if that happens, then I would tell you guys. Like, like it's not like I'm sitting here trying to make myself sound more important or anything like that. I would tell you. This is real talk. Come on. I'm not, I'm not on here to bullshit anybody, okay? Like, I would tell you guys exactly what went down, just like I kind of did in that Allow Me to Reintroduce Myself episode, right? And just like every time I turn on this mic, real talk only. So, um, Slimzy's happening uh, we are in production with those, and I'm really pleased with kind of like the progress of those. Um, but here's another one, another new one, okay, a new sponsor announcement. Um, I'll keep you updated as we go along. It's not 100% official yet, but pretty soon, in addition to Four Roses Bourbon and Slimzy, I'm happy to announce that Mojo Hydration is going to be joining the show as a beloved sponsor, pending legalese, Section 5, Article 6, just going to dot some I's and cross some T's, but, but yes, okay? Thrilled to welcome Mojo Hydration on as a new sponsor. So I'm, I'm getting kind of creative in this, okay, in exchange for the ad space on this podcast and on my social media channels. I'm going to get a couple bags a month and uh, because obviously if you want me speaking about your product and service, right, and effectively selling that service to you, my listeners, then it needs to be something that I'm, I'm using and can speak knowledgeably about, right? Makes sense. And so here's where some of that creativity comes in this deal. There's going to be a kickback. And so what we're going to do is give out a code for you guys to use. Enter Benny T, okay? And you'll get a discount, probably. And I'll get a kickback from everybody that uses that code from Mojo. So if you spend 100 bucks, maybe I get like 10 or 15 bucks back, right? And so then there's some money coming back my way in addition to a couple of these hydration bags a month. And that way, I'm obviously more incentivized to keep spreading the word, plugging my sponsor, and they continue to get new business from my referrals. Not bad, huh? And also, as it comes up in conversations with writers, I can we're going to make up uh, some cards that I can kind of hand out, and it's, it's a really creative way to reach customers, potential customers. And I'm telling you what, anybody that doesn't do this deal, I don't understand what they're thinking. Like, they have no creativity, because... 
the 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 companies that I've pitched this kind of a deal to, they're like, oh, no, oh, no, like drag our feet, blah blah blah, bullshit. No creativity, no imagination. They they don't see the value in that, and that's why you know, look, um, on this podcast, it hasn't blown up yet, right? But I'm still reaching about a hundred people per episode, and I'm reaching a lot more week to week driving around. And that's a direct line to potential customers. I, I, you know, for people that fail to understand that, I don't even, you know, it's like, it's like, what, what, what can I do? I can't help you, my friend. You're, you know, it's like, God damn. But if you support me and you support what I'm doing, uh, hopefully you'll you'll give them a chance. You'll you'll check them out. And how do I even get linked up with them? What is Mojo Hydration? Basically, if you've if you're a savage like me and you've ever been so dehydrated that you literally need an IV bag, that's what they do. They've got different. Um, like different mixes. There's an athlete recovery. There's a hydration if you're dehydrated from drinking alcohol. There's like 9, 10, 11 of these different mixes that they do with vitamins and hydrating fluids. They'll come out. They're all registered nurses, basically on demand. You call them up. They drive to your office, your business, your condo, wherever the fuck you are. They will come out and stick you, give you a hydration bag, and literally 45 minutes later, you feel like you could fucking run another marathon. It's awesome. It brings you right back to life. They give you the juice, and I love that. And, and like, you know, I've had to do this a few times in my life. Once, because I was so dehydrated from playing football and getting rhabdo, I felt sick, sick enough that I had to go to the hospital because I was like, I don't feel right. I need a bag. I need to get hydrated. And that shit brought me right back to life. Well, then there I am a couple weeks ago here in Louisville, had just done a really, really difficult CrossFit workout outside on a Saturday. I'm like, oh, God, I feel like shit. I need to get hydrated fast. Because they say that, you know, water, when you drink it, obviously that that's hydrating, right? But I read somewhere that only 30% of the water that you actually drink like reaches your body in a way that hydrates it. So when you're that depleted after a difficult workout or after just a long week or after you know maybe you're on a bender in Vegas, um, I'm seeing a lot of people, and I'm sure you have too, that do this thing where like on a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, They've got people that come the next day after they've been had that like night where you go hard as fuck, and then the next day they come in and they they strap everybody up with one of these hydration bags, and they give you an IV. That's what it is. And I'm really excited to be kind of launching a, a joint partnership with them and introducing them as a new sponsor. Um, things should be. It's it's looking like sometime in September that we're going to kind of get the ball rolling on that. Um, my guy's going out of town for about a week, and then sometime in September or um, maybe even early October, we'll get that thing rolling. So be on the lookout for some exclusive offers from your boy and Mojo Hydration. Now, sorry for the wait. 21 minutes into the podcast, but we finally are at Uber Stories Part 6. This first one is a two-parter, okay? I picked up a dude we'll call Tanner. And again, a reminder, all names are fake. All key details have been omitted. I'm not here to out anybody. Your identity is protected. I've handed out a couple of these cards to my writers and said, hey, I do this podcast. Check it out. And if you are listening right now and you're somebody that I've had in the car, you know, hey, <laughs> Obviously, if you got the card and you know, then we had a good ride, and I really enjoyed my conversation with you, okay? But you need to know, everybody needs to know, that the whole point of this is not to out people. It's just to provide some entertainment, all right? And that's 
what these stories are. So this first one is a two-parter. Tanner, okay? I picked Tanner up from the bar and restaurant that he worked at. It's like 10 p.m. This is last Friday. He was cool. Nothing really to report from this ride. But I guess he had left a weed pen in his in the back seat, okay? Because the very next three dudes that I pick up find it. They get in. They're lit. I grabbed them from O'Shea's on Baxter. And as soon as they sit down, they're like, hey, dude, somebody left a weed pen back here. Do you want it? I'm like, nah, I'm straight. My girl just brought me back one from Colorado. Here, y'all rip it. You rip it, rip it. Okay. Of course, I'm just encouraging bad behavior, but you know what? That's what I, you know, sometimes that's what I do. Okay. And two of them, the one right behind me and the one in the middle, are like, nah, I don't, man, kind of sketch with COVID and everything. Plus, I don't really know what's in it. And their friend who's sitting behind the passenger seat just goes, give me it. Okay. And we all start laughing. And I'm going, rip that shit, buh. So he does, okay, and he's blowing clouds. And then he just starts coughing. Can't stop. We're all laughing our asses off at this guy. We keep going. Eventually, he stops coughing. Couple minutes go by. He hasn't said anything, all right? He's just sitting there quiet. And I'm talking to the other two guys. And then Drake's new single, Laugh Now, Cry Later, comes on. And out of nowhere, <laughs> this guy who hit the wheat bin just throws his head back and goes, dude, crank it (laughs) we just thought that was the funniest thing ever but you know what he kept it he kept the weed pen uh so to the writer before them man i'm sorry about your pen to be honest i never knew it was even there until these guys found it but i don't have it all right this guy took it and so it's gone my g i'm sorry if it had been anything else a wallet a phone something i would have done everything i possibly could to return it to the owner since it's a weed pen you know, look, that's just sometimes the casualties of going out and uh, losing your pen. It happens, all right? It happens. Again, reminder, I'm saving the best for last. This one, this next one, isn't really that great of a story. Like, it's it's still pretty good. Um, but it was just like an interesting car crash story, okay? We'll call him Willie. Willie told me a pretty raw story about a car crash he was in with his uncle. Because we were talking about, hey, have you ever been in a... You know, what, what, what's some crazy shit that you've lived through, basically, is what I asked him. And he was like, well, um, I lived through a car crash. And I was like, tell me about it. So he said he was on a road trip with his uncle. He's pretty young. His uncle's driving. And he fell asleep behind the wheel. And he said, we just started veering. He said, we was asleep anyway, but he fell asleep. And he started veering right, bang, right into a guardrail. Go through the woods like 30 feet down a hill into some woods, smack into a tree, and the whole fucking car is like totaled. It's a rental for one. I don't even know how any of us lived, but the whole situation, just thank God. And I was like, so everybody was okay? And he was like, yeah, my mom broke her chest bone. That was the worst injury. I smashed my head through a window on the way down, but I didn't feel it. My head just went through the window somewhere. It was like, bam. I'm like, oh, shit. He's like, yeah, that kind of woke me up. Uh, but I, I didn't even know that my head went through the window. I just that that woke me up. Uh, the only thing that died was my Nintendo 64 in the trunk. I was kind of pissed. No one grabbed my Nintendo 64. You know, I was like 10 years old. And I was pissed. So, <laughs> Willie, glad you're okay. Good story. Thanks for the memories. Now here's where they start to get really good. Okay, I picked a guy who we'll call Charlie up near Taylor Boulevard. And I was like, man, I've already seen some crazy shit today, and I just started driving. He was like, I bet, man. I, I grew up around here, lived my whole life here. 
Now I'm 38 years old, getting ready to move and not look back. And I was like, hey, congrats on that, you know? Uh, So, hey, you grew up around here? What's the craziest shit you've ever seen? And he said, shit. And I was like, hey, we got 20 minutes, baby. He's like, all right, well, you want to talk derby or just everyday life? Because I grew up on 7th and Arcade. And I would open up the blinds and turn off the TV because it's honestly better than TV. And I said, so yeah, everyday life. Tell me some crazy shit that you've seen. He thinks for a minute. He says, all right, well, I'll give you an example. Sunday, I got an old work truck and I was coming home. And I I don't know if you heard about the shooting on the expressway. And I said, no, like at at the point, I had no idea what he was talking about. But in researching for this story, apparently last week there was a shooting on the Waterson Expressway between two cars who exchanged gunfire speeding down the Waterson. 2 p.m. in the afternoon, broad daylight, couple random cars get hit with bullets, none of them uh, were injured in any of the randoms anyways, but WDRB News reported that when police arrived at the scene, they were unable to find any victims, but while investigating, officers were notified of a man who had been shot arriving at Norton Audubon Hospital who was in critical condition. So, little backstory, okay? But he continues, it was on Sunday, all over the news, there was a shooting on the expressway. So I'm driving home, and it's on the eastbound, and I'm going westbound, and I see about 20 cop cars, traffic everywhere. So I get off, and I'm right down by Barry Boulevard, and I had about seven cops fly by me. Pew, 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 pew. Undercover cop, undercover cop, SUV, normal cop car. They fly by me. They do a U-turn. They go up on the sidewalk. They pass me. They go back down this way. They're looking for somebody, and they pull over to check. So now... I'm driving by, looking over at them, checking the scene. I cut through a neighborhood to get to my house where I was just at, right? Where I'd picked them up at. And I pull in my driveway, and the next thing you know, there's a cop pulled in right behind me in the driveway. Says, uh, show me your hands, show me your hands. I'm getting out of the truck. I'm like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Stay in the vehicle. So I've got my hands up, and he's walking down the driveway. Stay in the vehicle. I'm staying in, I'm not moving. And he says, you have your ID on you? I say, yes, sir. What's the problem? Like, what's going on? Do you have your ID? Yeah, man, it's in my pocket. Which pocket? This pocket right here. Grab it for me. Tell me what's going on, dude. Like, like, what's the deal? What's the problem? You know, I'm in shock right now. Well, we just got a call on on someone who broke into a house and was driving either a two-tone brown or a two-tone red truck. Middle-aged white guy. I said, oh, shit. Well, it ain't me, dude. I just got off work, got to the house, pulled in the driveway. You live around here? Like, Hell yeah, I live right here. Grab your ID for me. And, and, and I'm like, you grab it, you know what I mean? So he says that the cop grabs his ID, gets on the radio, and apologized and was like, sorry about your luck, it's not you. I'm like, I know it's not me. Middle-aged white guy driving a two-tone brown or red truck, like I said, I'm 38, My truck is two-tone brown. I'm like, damn. So he went about his business, wasn't there three or four minutes. And then he continued on talking. He said, I've seen people drunk, stumbling down the road all day long. I mean, shit's just wild, man. And I said, fights? He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen fights between men and women. It ain't nothing to go out and put your back window open and hear fuck you, bitch, get the fuck out, woman, and we just started laughing our asses off, and I was like, have you ever seen anybody get beat senseless, and he said, uh, 
No, I've never really like seen anybody get close to death, but I mean, I've seen fist fights. Matter of fact, probably two or three weeks ago, I was sitting on my front porch. It's a screened-in porch. I like to sit up there because I can see everything, but no one knows I'm there, right? Well, there was a guy that pulled up to the stop sign, and two girls was running to his car, and he got into a screaming match, and I'm like, oh, shit. So they're yelling. They're screaming at each other, and one of the two people who was outside the car reached for the door handle, but then the guy speeds up and takes off, stops 15 feet up opens the door, gets out, and boom, they just start fist fighting. Probably a 60-year-old man and two 50-year-old women. <laughs> and we laughed. And, and uh, he said, but, but you know what? Like, the funny thing is, I did, I did my thing down there, but I, and I'm going to miss the shit out of it, man. I'm going to miss the entertainment. And you know what? In a way, like, I had really given this guy a space to kind of reflect on his time there and moving on, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, here I am taking him to his new house and a new chapter of his life, all the while he's reminiscing on all these funny memories he had from living there, and I, and I thought that part of it was pretty cool. And at this point, we still have like eight or nine minutes in the car left, and he kind of yields back to me, and, and, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him, yo, man, I make a podcast out of these kinds of stories, these are fucking golden. And so he's digging that, so he continues on with another story. He says, all right, well, I got another one for you. House down the street has a big-ass tree stump in the front yard, like six feet wide, eight feet tall stump. And a couple people down there had a big-ass utility truck. And they pulled this chain up to it like they were going to pull this big-ass fucking tree stump with it. I said, oh, hell, this is going to be interesting. So I'm sitting on the front porch watching it. Truck backs up, takes off, boom. Whole truck just stopped right in the middle of the road. I said, oh, shit, he going to do it again? Sure enough, backed up, took off, boom. Jerks the whole fucking truck again, but it ain't moving. I mean, this, this tree stump is about as big as your car, man. So they get out, they're all looking at it, he tries it three or four more times, but needless to say, that tree stump is still there. And I'm like, how bad is this truck? And he said, hey, he, he drove his truck away, like, he was smart about it because he didn't hook it up to anything that was going to jerk his rear end out, but I thought for sure he was going to, man, that's how hard he was pulling it. At least jerk the bumper off or something, but nah, he was okay. Just wild stories, wild stories out of Charlie, and I and I'm sure that like this is one of those things too where you walk away thinking about it the rest of the day, like ah, I should have told him this one, or how could I forget to mention that? But man, they made for a great ride, some great content. It was about a 20 minute ride, and to my man Charlie, who will call Charlie right, who's going to miss the entertainment. Shout out to you for grinding and finding a way out of there and putting yourself in a better spot moving forward. That's all any of us can ever hope to do. You're doing it, and it was a special moment to transit you into that next chapter of your life, man. Good luck with everything. All right, this next one we'll call Making It Rain, okay? So right after I drop off Charlie, the next writer is a dude that we'll call Eric. And when Eric gets in, I said, all right, Eric, now, the guy before you, I picked up off Taylor Boulevard, and he was telling me some pretty fucking great stories, man. And I make a podcast out of these stories. So what you got for me? And he said, ah, South is wild, man. I grew up down there on the West End. I was down there for 25 years. I moved out here to get away from all that. We were in J-Town. And it's nice and peaceful out here, but I lived in the South End, the West End, right there off Taylor. So yeah, it gets crazy over there, man. Down there by them strip clubs, them gangs and shit, man. It gets wild. 
And I said, all right, what's the craziest shit you've ever seen? He said, recently? I'm like, anytime, anytime, just craziest shit you've ever seen. And he says, all right, well, a couple weeks ago, went to the strip clubs. One of my buddies came in from out of town, spent $17,000 at a strip club. I said, 17000 17000 And I said, did he fuck? <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, bought four or five of them home with him. But it was like, golly, man, I ain't never seen anybody spend that kind of money on a strip club. But I guess, you know, he was in town, drunk, feeling himself. And he's like, man, I, I just recarpeted that motherfucker too. I said, shit, couldn't even walk. There were so many dollars on the ground. And he was like, to come in town and just blow 17000 like that, I can think of 50 things I'd rather do and use that money on. And I'm like, dude, on a Louisville strip club too. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this ain't no King of Diamonds or Magic City, dog. This is like the Derby City where you got nothing but smokers, stretch marks, and C-section scars. You want to know why the city can't support a professional team? I'll tell you why. Best we can do is triple-A baseball because we've got single-A strippers, man. To spend that much money, $17,000, at a local Louisville strip club, that's... <laughs> Wow, that is insane to me. That is insane to me, okay? And anyways, okay, <laughs> we'll continue on. He asked me if I knew where uh, Captain's Quarters is, and I'm like, yeah. And he said one of the dudes who owned that strip club rented out, uh, he called it the Sea Princess. I knew what he was talking about. The yacht, the, uh, Captain's Quarters, for my out-of-town listeners, is uh, on the river, and they've got this yacht that you can rent out. Uh, in high school, we used to rent it out for parties. One girl actually had her sweet 16 there. Pretty crazy time. That's you know that's just kind of the shit we're doing. Uh, but it's called the CQ Princess, okay? But he says the Sea Princess. I know exactly what he's talking about. He says that one of the dudes who owned a strip club in Louisville rented out the Sea Princess, okay? And he said that night, man... They came from everywhere, man. These strippers was up here from Florida, Atlanta, Ohio. I'm like, all strippers? He was like, yeah. It was wild, man. Did the whole thing on the Sea Princess and then docked back to Captain's Quarters. Everybody went to the strip club. They was bringing blocks of dollar bills. I'm like, what are we doing, man? Just throw it. I got you. I got you. <laughs> he, said, he said it was wild, man. And I'm like, dude, that... Honestly, that's on my bucket list is to go to a, like to, you know to be in a a good strip club, okay? And just make it rain. Like just with a big fucking stack of singles, I just want to make it rain in the club. And that's on my bucket list. And he he goes, "Man, dude, it's it's crazy, man. It's a crazy experience." Because the girls who are bringing them, they just keep coming back with these blocks, man. And it's not just like one or two blocks. They're coming back with like six, seven, eight blocks at a time. You got three or four of them bringing them to you. You can't even throw them on before there's another block set in front of you. It's like everybody in the club's looking up going, where the hell is he getting all this money? $17,000 this boy came in and spent. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Now, this next one is the ultimate nice for what rider. One of my favorite conversations to this point, honestly. Okay. Let's call him Chris. Chris was an incredible speaker, and I and I think that's probably why I enjoyed this one so much. Great ad libs, okay? Chris gets in. I said, "How you doing?" And he said, "Man, it's been a day. Why? I just got off work at five. I've been in a meeting with my boss for the last two hours. 
And I'm like, somebody die? No, I'm just playing. Okay. And he goes, well, uh, really, we had to have a conversation about uh, I'm a hard ass. You know, that's a diesel truck shop we work in and I'm part of the management team. And I'm big on three things. You be respectful, you be fair, and you be honest. Nice ain't on the menu, goddammit. Nice is cheese on the burger. It's nice to have, but you gonna eat this burger one way or the other. And I say, nice for what? Nice for what? And he goes, right, nice. I, I, I really don't understand what you mean by that. I'm nice to puppies. I'm nice to small children. I don't understand why you need something done, and I gotta be nice about it. I think as long as I'm respectful, I'm honest, and I'm being fair and even balanced, I don't necessarily care if you think I'm being nice or not. And his boss was saying it's important for people to like you, and he was like, no, it's not. It's important for people to respect you. It's important for me to get those results. If I get the results, and this is my brand, (laughs) you don't ask McDonald's to change the Big Mac when they sell it in Louisiana. They sell two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, the same thing they get in New York. It's good. It's what they ordered. That's why they get it. (laughs) And, And... I'm I'm just laughing the whole time, you know, because he's just fucking going off. And he said, you know me. You know me. You know how I am. This is what you get. So we talked about that for two hours. And I said, who says you're being mean? And he said, the sales reps. We have outside salespeople that come and call on us. And some of them come and and they're like, uh, you know, listen, I mean, I'm 33 I'm a younger black man. There's nobody else in my position generally. And I can do the politics, you know, I can put the polish on me, but I don't necessarily think that my shop needs me to do that. My shop needs somebody with some heart, some backbone, some enthusiasm, and somebody who's willing to die on that hill for what he believes in. And if I think I'm doing the right thing for the group, I'm not going to come off it. And he says, he continues, me, me and this guy are the same age. You know, it's an independent company. I've known this guy since we were 18. I used to be an outside salesman. So we've got a professional relationship. And now I'm like, look, man, this is, this is what I do. I do what I do. And his boss says, Chris, it, it kind of concerns me that you're set in your ways. I like people who are clay, who I can mold. And Chris says, And I said, well, Jeff, you're exactly right. I'm not clay. I'm concrete. I'm steel. I'm iron. I'm galvanized. I'm baptized in the belly of the beast. This is what I do. I'm hard-nosed, man. This is grown men. And if they don't respect you, you got nothing. They won't follow you. Okay? He's just like, I'm like, yes, this guy guy could be a fucking preacher, honestly. And he's just, we're riding along. He's just going off on the beat. I don't even have to say that much. Just ask a question get out of the way. And so I'm going to get out of the way and let him continue going off. Okay. So he continues telling me about this job, you know, that he does there. And the moment that this guy called him to come over and do this job. And basically he had been called over, uh, to whip their floor into shape. So I said, so he asked you to come and do a job and now he's asking you to do it differently. And he said, his son, his son is, and the owner that called me to come over, his son is my boss. And his son, say you got an offense, and the owner is a run-the-ball kind of guy. So he went and got a run-the-ball kind of guy. But look, his son is a pass-heavy offense. 
And he went out and got an OC that's a ground and pound kind of guy. Don't get me wrong. I can be the running backs coach. I don't have to be the head coach. I mean, it's cool, but they like the fact that I can get the results. But the son tends to have an issue with how I get the results. Ultimately, if I wanted this job, I would have applied for this job. And if I applied for this job, I would have asked for about 10 grand more on the year to do that job. Stepped in, Corona's going on, and we needed leadership. We needed some stability. The guys respect me. I knew I could get us through that. But that phase is over. I'm perfectly fine stepping back into my old position. Just worry about the running backs, right? But in our business, there are so few people that can get the results out of people on the floor while earning their respect and negotiate deals with these vendors. And and, and I hate to say it, I hate to kind of be that guy, but I'm not nice. You know, I'm fun. I'm funny. Got a drinking habit, like to smoke weed. I'm cool all day long, but nice? Nice, ni- nice is for the kids. And I say, nice for what? And he goes, yeah, huh? For what? And who the fuck is nice to me? And you know, at one point, he said, <laughs> his boss said, you know, Chris, that's just how Tina is, all right? Again, all names changed, all right? You see, he said, uh, Chris, that's just how Tina is. One of the salespeople. She's real sweet. She's real pretty. And I said, is she sensitive? And he said, well, it's not that she's sensitive. She's just used to be treating as if she's pretty. Well, unfortunately, I'm not trying to have sex with you, Tina. I don't care what you look like. And not only for that, I'm a feminist. I treat women like I treat men. You gonna get this work, Tina. (laughs) He said, she tried to honey me. She said, well, honey. I said, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you something, Tina. I am not your honey. I'm not your sweetie. I'm not your friend. I'm not your nephew. I'm not your son. I need you to treat me like you treat your grandmother. You come in, you take care of business, and you stay out my way. What more do you want? And I said, what more can you ask for? And he said, and she went and told on me. You know, some of the things that you do rubs people the wrong way. That's what my boss is telling me in this meeting. I said, hey, so does Aaron Rodgers. Guy still wins fucking Super Bowls, okay? And he, he continues, and... This guy's a people pleaser. I don't believe in being a people pleaser. I feel like people need to be authentic. Bingo, all right? He says, everybody wants to be cool. Everybody wants to be tough. How about you just be authentically, individually you? If you're a piece of shit, be a piece of shit. And if you're a champion, be a champion. But don't let other people sway you from who you truly are because... Nobody truly gives a fuck about you other than you. And with that sentiment, I've been able to break sales records and efficiency records, and I've been able to get guys who, he kind of trails off and he comes back and he says, I'm a Democrat, all right? I'm one of the younger guys. I'm black. I'm working with guys from BFE, hard-nosed Trump supporters. But you walk in that place, we are brothers These guys will follow me to the end of the fucking earth right now. And it's not because I'm nice about it. It's because I don't play games with them. If a guy's not doing a good job, I'll walk up to him and say, Matt, what the fuck's wrong with you today? You dragging ass, man. You're going through some shit at home. What's up? You drinking too much? I need you to talk to me. Oh, man. 
boss, today I, I just ain't really feeling it. I said, all right, well, okay, just do what you got to do. Make it through the day, rest up, I ain't going to push you too hard. And if you're going through something, hey, this shit happens, man. If you need to go home or something, I'll go ahead, let you go, get out of here a couple hours early, man. I'll even leave you on the clock, but I need your head to be right. I need you to be in position where you're ready to go, so I'll cover for you today. And you know what? They respect that. And the next day he comes in, Matt, how you doing, man? Ready to rock and roll. I said, that's all I'm talking about. Let's ride. And you know what they say? Let's go. And that's all you got to do. You don't have to play games with guys. Coming the next day, Matt, what's up, man? Oh, man. Uh, hold up. You was a lump on the log yesterday. Hey, either we need to talk about what's going on or I need you to do what you're here to do. And if you can do it, do it. And if you can't, say it. But this gray area, I'm not going to deal with it. And you shouldn't either if you're a professional and we hire you to do what only you can do and we pay you well to do it, don't shit on me, man. Come on, man. And they love it. They eat it up because they ain't used to people in management talking to them like that. And I'm like, I mean, it's just real, man. That's that's some grown man-to-man shit. And he said, that's all it is. Like, Like, Matt, I want to go home just like you, man. Like, God damn it, Matt, I can't go home until you finish this truck. Matter of fact, ain't none of us going to go home until Matt finishes truck because if we let this motherfucker sit over here and drown all day, then shame on us. Ain't nobody going home. Come on, man. Be in this thing together. Right now, Matt can't hold piss on a road trip and he's holding us all up. So what are we going to do? Somebody either needs to go over and help him or we need to get him off the job, but none of us ain't leaving until his truck's gone. You know, I ain't going to beat Matt down. Be in this thing together. Be a unit. Guys are cool with that. Salespeople, they think I'm a dickhead. But uh, luckily, I ain't in, in the business of uh, being nice about shit. And I said, or giving a fuck about what the salespeople think. And he's like, yeah, man. It's, it's like the cashier crow were giving me lip. Little bitch lucky I don't smack her in the mouth. You know what I mean? Tina coming here talking to me like I'm her fucking son. I'm not trying to have sex with her. She needs to leave. So yeah, we had a two-hour conversation about that. As you can see, I'm still kind of amped up. <laughs> I was like, man, you know what? I'm glad I'm glad that you could come in here and unwind. And he said, I'm glad you let me put these bags down because that's exactly what I just did. And I said, hey, man, that's what I'm here for. So that was, that was the TED Talk. He had me until the last thing about smacking a bitch in the mouth. Then I'm kind of like, uh, not really with domestic you know, violence and everything like that. But, I mean, everything else that he said, on point. Uh, I, <laughs> I love his philosophy. Listen, nice for what? Like, if you, you know what I mean? Like, and, and there is something to be said about being able to get along with people and stuff like that. But you know what? Steve Jobs was kind of an asshole. You know, a lot of these people that we look at that we put up on a pedestal, they're kind of assholes. A lot of them are. And a lot of them, you know, you might meet them and think, wow, that she's a bitch or he's a dickhead. But you know what? They get the results. They get the results. And, and that's what matters. You know, be nice to your kids, be nice to your friends, be nice to your family. Uh, but it, it, when it comes down to business, sometimes listen, do by by any means necessary, get the job done. Don't worry about outsiders' perceptions of you because ultimately they're not the ones that are living and dying with your decisions. So, move on. All right, we're moving on. Okay, God, these are good today. All right, these are really good today. 
This next one I pick up, this, this one's pretty savage, okay? This next one I pick up was a woman, um, I picked her up from work, and I was taking her home, let's just call her Jenny, all right? I picked up Jenny from one of the U of L hospitals. I said, I didn't know that she worked there, you know, obviously pulling up, but I said, you know, did you have an appointment, or did you just get off work? She says, oh, I just got off work. I said, how long have you been working there? Two weeks. I do travel health care, so I'm here for like 13 weeks. She said that after her second assignment, which ended in mid-April, um, that she hadn't worked since she had come to Louisville because they stopped hiring travelers. And I said, so then like the last two weeks, you've been back in the saddle? She said, yep. I said, nice. I bet that felt good. Yes, yes. Oh, my God, yes. I said, were you going crazy? Oh, very much so. And, and after I left home and all that chaos and I got here by myself, I realized just how crazy it was making me. I tried to stay close to home, so if I needed to go home on the weekends, I, I live in Wichita, Kansas. So my first assignment was in Norman, Oklahoma, and that was like three and a half hours away. And then my second assignment was in Omaha, Nebraska, and that was about five hours away. Now I'm 10 hours away. But I don't mind that at all. You know, things at home haven't been going well lately. And I, I knew they weren't going very well, but I, I didn't realize just how bad and unhappy I was until I came and spent some time here by myself. I said, are you married? She said, yeah. Long pause for a little bit longer. <laughs> I said, <laughs> so divorce is imminent then, huh? And she said, yeah, I just have to wait for him to get approved for this disability so that way I don't have to pay him alimony. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. She said, I have a good friend who practices family law, and she goes, you, you got to fake it until it comes through. Her friend who practices family law told her that. You got to fake it until it comes through, right? Fake happiness until the disability comes through and then divorces ass. Don't let him know what your plans are because you don't want him filing first. So earlier this week at our safety huddle at work, when they said that Kansas was added to the list of states that if you visit, you have to get with HR, do this questionnaire, were you exposed, who were you with, that kind of stuff. So she says, I told my husband that if um, you know, you've been added to the list, Kansas has, and if I come back and visit, then I'm going to have to self-quarantine for two weeks in Kentucky before they're going to let me go back to work. So I, I just said, I can't do it. I, I can't come back home. And she said her husband said, well, that sucks, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. So that got me out of going to go home for a visit. I said, nice, nice, nice. D does he know it all? No. How long have you guys been married? 22 years, but I mean, uh, I'm, I'm done. Done getting yelled at and him not doing anything to help himself and expecting me to do it all even though I'm 10 hours away. It's like you can call your doctor's office and make necessary arrangements. I don't have to be the one to do that. And I said, hey, you can't save them all, man. You can't save them all. And, and I credit you. You know, because that can be really tough to leave somebody after 22 years together. But hey, if you're not happy, you got to make a change. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters is just, are you enjoying getting up every day and living the life that you live, your lifestyle? And if you don't, you owe it to yourself to make a change. Some people never do that. So I credit you.
I credit you, Jenny. And she says, oh, absolutely. My best friend, we've been best friends since kindergarten, and she just noticed a change in him like a few years ago that he's really been changing. And I said, really? Just just kind of getting like uh, grizzly, like older, grumpy? She said, yeah, you know, and, and it's like he doesn't like me to go and hang out with my sister and my niece and all them because he says all they do is drink and I just go over there to get drunk, which is not true. So he doesn't want me to go. And it's like, you're keeping me from my family that you know means the most to me? That's not right. And then I told him during my first week here that I decided that I was going to put myself first for a change and start exercising, eating better, building a relationship with God, all that stuff. And he's like, why are you doing that? And I said, because it's something I should have been doing a long time ago. And now I have the opportunity to do it, so I'm going to do it. And he's like, well, I think that's fine if that's what you want to do is put yourself first like that. But when you come home to me, you're going to put yourself on hold. I'm your priority. And you can take care of me. And that pissed me off so bad. And I'm listening to this, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fuck this guy. Honestly, like, excuse my language, but are you kidding me? She said, no, no, I don't care. I mean, I'm pretty sure my mouth fell open when he said that. Like, what the hell did you just say? And I asked, it, what, and, and he was serious about it. Like, this guy was serious. Oh, yeah, he was dead serious. And that's what's sad, you know, it, it's that it, it's, it hasn't been like this for 22 years. It's just gotten bad like this over the last four or five But, you know, unfortunately, this is my second marriage and my first marriage. That husband, he was really controlling, and that's why I got out of it in the first place. And it's like I I don't need to be in another controlling marriage when I'm not the one in control. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, my God. What a fucking line. I don't need to be in another controlling marriage when I'm not the one in control. Some of you listening might need to hear that, and I hope that it sinks in, okay? I said, listen, Jenny, good for you. You know, this whole COVID thing and this whole quarantine situation, it really comes down to what did you do with that time when you had all the time in the world to work on those things that you always said you were going to do? Like, I want to do this. I want to try this. But the excuse is always, oh, if I just had more time, if I didn't have the kids, once my mom gets better, like whatever, whatever the excuse is. And it sounds like you're definitely one of those people that have used this time to look inwards and say, what do I want to get out of this? And, and putting yourself first, you know, like relationships are supposed to be about compromise and finding that middle ground and considering both people. But at the end of the day, you got to take care of yourself first. And if, and if you can't do that, and if yourself is not happy, then what good are you to anybody else? And she said that, that that's absolutely right. And that's just the thing. I had thought, oh my God, there's so many things I could get done at the house that I needed to do for a long time, clean some closets out and that stuff. Well, just from having to spend so much time with him and, and doing everything for him, I went into depression. And I hit it very well, but like I would sleep in until I wouldn't get out of bed until 11 o'clock, which doesn't sound that bad, but I, I never sleep that late. 
and then I might get in the shower by three in the afternoon, but I would just sit around and just hope that he wouldn't get up yet because I didn't want to have to deal with him. And knowing that I was going to have to fill in this gap, retelling the story later, I said at that point, well, what kind of disability is he suffering from? And she said, well, he's a diabetic, and he started out as a type 2 diabetic, and now he's insulin dependent. But for over 20 years, he was non-compliant, and he didn't take his medications and stuff, and, and he just didn't care. Like he was in denial or something. So now he's got severe neuropathy, and back in October, right before I started traveling, he started having trouble walking. And then by Christmas, he had to use a walker. And by the end of April, he was in a wheelchair. And now he can't walk. Wow. Wow. That's what I said. Wow. That's, that's fast. That's rough. And she continues, you know, all of the muscles in his legs have deteriorated. They're just wasted away. And I mean, if, if he ever does walk again, he's going to have to go through some extensive physical therapy. And I honestly don't think that he's got what it takes to do it. Even though he says he hates the situation he's in, he hates that he can't walk and he can't do these things for himself, but I just can't see him going through PT because they're going to require him to do these things at home and on his own, and I just don't think he would do it. I don't think he's driven enough to do it. And I'm like, Jenny, I'm in PT right now working out some chronic stuff in my legs. And, and they're like, all right, you got to do these things twice a day, once in the morning, once before bed, on your own. And I'm like, you know, it sucks, but you have to do it. Like, it's a long journey, especially as, you know, I'm sitting here talking about this in the context of getting rid of some tension in my legs. This guy's got to learn to freaking walk again. That's a lot. That's a lot. And finally, we get to our destination and I said, hey, it was very nice talking to you, and I, and I hope everything works out smoothly for you. And she said, you know, I, thank you very much. This was very nice. But, I mean, just the savagery, planning to leave your disabled husband, and the poor schmuck doesn't even know it. But you know what? I would tell her the same thing. I, I, don't, I, I don't mean that to, to, like, cast judgment on that at all. It is savage in, 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 in its own right and its own way. But if you really think about it, it it's, look, that's, that's a fucking, like... If you're in an unhappy relationship, a verbally abusive relationship, a physically abusive relationship, if you are in love with someone who is abusing themselves and you're forced to sit back and watch and get pushed away and alienated, like, life is too short, man. Life is too short to get mistreated by some fucking prick or some bitch. So just leave, all right? Get yourself in a better position and take off, all right? This next one's pretty awesome. Okay, this next one is pretty awesome. You want to talk about savage? This lady is a fucking savage, okay? Older woman gets in. Let's just call her my hero, okay? Let's just call her my hero. She tells me that she just had a hip replacement and that she's uh, ignoring it. And then she says, oh, shit, I, I forgot something. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Nope, I got it, I got it. I'm like, you good? Like, she just sat down and, and we hadn't even started driving yet and... And uh, I'm like, you good? You need to go back in the house? She's like, no, 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 never mind. Yep, I sold the house tonight, so I had to make sure that I had my computer. I'm like, hey, congratulations. She said, thank you, thank you. I'm very happy about that. And I asked her, has it been tough to sell houses? And she said, yeah, because there's no inventory. Why is that? Because no one is putting their house on the market. Duh, I mean, you know, hey, makes sense, okay. But she said it's it's like anybody's business, you know. It's just it's just off right now. 
And I said, uh, how long have you been doing residential sales? 12 years. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It is. It's hard though. You know, everybody's like, oh, I'd love to be in real estate. I'd love to go look at houses all day. I'm like, do you realize that's 5% of this business? You have no idea how hard this business is. And I said, what's the other 95%? She said, negotiations, psychological evaluations. I said, for potential buyers? She said, oh my God. Trying to get to the bottom of their psychological issues, it's, it's hard. It's so hard because people are just so not normal. I, 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 don't, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it, it's just so... And she's kind of trailing off, and, and I said, so, okay, so unpack that, like the psychological thing. What do you mean? And she said, well, people have their own opinions and views of what a sale will be and um, what they think it's going to look like, what they think they're going to pay, and what they think this looks like does not always match reality. So a lot of people feel like if you sell a house, you only pay $500. That's completely wrong because when you hire a realtor, okay, you're hiring a psychologist. You're hiring somebody who you have to completely trust with your financial information, your psychological information, with everything, so they can act on your best behalf. So today, for example, I put something on the market. I got an offer tonight because I worked my ass off tonight, and I got $10,000 over asking price because I worked my ass off tonight. And I said, let's go. She said, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But that's it. You have to just out-psychological and outsmart some people. So I get $10,000 over asking price on a property that probably shouldn't have been $10,000 over, but because I did that, I saved my clients a bunch of money. And then you know what they did? They complained about how much they have to pay in realtor's fees. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is where it gets good. She said, she's just going off at this point. She goes, you know, nobody appreciates you until they know what you sacrificed. She said, hey, I used to make things as seamless as possible and never worry clients with anything I was doing behind the scenes. And then when it came time to pay me my fee, they'd question how hard I worked. You mean it wasn't just giving me a sale date and a time to show up? I'm like, you have no idea. And then they're like, well, tell me what happened. And when I tell them, they go, oh my God, why didn't you tell me that? I said, because it's my job to make this as seamless for you as possible. But I don't do that anymore. Now, I tell them every wart, every hideous element so that they appreciate me. And what she's talking about is, 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 is like, it's true. Like, that's very relatable. And I told her the same thing that I'm saying now is, you know, it, it, it sucks that you have to do that. But I can remember speaking with a former colleague at one of my previous sales jobs. And I was telling them about the things that I was having to do, you know, that, that were kind of like outside of my job. Things that people in the company had asked me to do or things that people had told me were my responsibility that I was doing and had been doing and that, that, that they, just, they just lied. Like they just straight up fucking lied and they were like, oh, that's, yeah, like the, the RSMs do that um, just so they didn't have to do it, you know? Like that, that's literally just people taking advantage of the naive young, young person. <laughs> I'm like, great. Um, 
And, and when I finally realized that, and I was having this conversation with one of my colleagues, they're like, oh, oh, you should tell your boss that you're doing these things. Like, you're not telling him that you're doing all that stuff? And me, like, I'm like, no. Like, what, what difference does it make if the job gets done? I'm, I'm just the kind of guy, like, I'm just going to do it. And they said, oh, no, oh, no. You need to tell them because then it seems like you're going above and beyond, which is so stupid because, like, the thing that should matter most are the results and the quality of your work. No, 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 no. You have to let everyone know how busy you are. That's how business works. Huh. Well, okay. Well, hey, I don't want to work in this type of sales anymore. I don't want to be in this company anymore. And she said, you know, and that's really the part I hate. Like, I'm pretty straight up. I don't like all that bullshit. I don't like all that. Here, let me tell you how wonderful I am. I'm not that person. But you know what? I've given all that up. You know why? Nobody appreciates you until they know what you've sacrificed. And I cannot stand that. So tonight, you know what I did? I told them all the things I had to go through and they, and they know that I had a hip replacement. And they're like, oh my God, how did you do that? Well, guess what? I pounded in two for sale signs tonight with a hip replacement two weeks ago. How do you think that felt? It hurt like fucking hell. Let me just say that. So that's what I said. It hurt like fucking hell. Thank you so much for asking. Now you're really going to appreciate that 3% commission that I got. But I don't, I, I don't like to play those games. I really don't, you know? And I'm laughing like in the background when she said that because it's always like a barrier of who's going to cuss first or do I feel like I can get away with using like, uh, you know, kind of like a uh, foul language, right, with a writer. But if they say it first, that opens up the floodgates. So then it's like, okay, this is cool, like, right? And, uh, you know, I said... You know, I, I feel like I sound cynical, but that's just like a part of it. Like that's just part of business sometimes. Like you got to play the game and, and, and life really. I mean, you got to play the game and sometimes it is just schmoozing and bullshit. And, and this is where she really starts to go off. She goes, she goes, <laughs> she goes, it's bullshit. It's bull fucking shit. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of all these people. Oh my God. Buh, 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 buh. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You know, you people just slay me. Just shut up. <laughs> and then she goes, okay, I'm 65. I say fuck all the time. I said, I do too. Good. Okay. And she goes, in fact, I said fuck tonight in front of a client's six year old daughter. And I'm like, you know what? She's just going to have to get over that. And I said, hey, might as well teach that girl young. She goes, you know what? The word is fuck. The word is fuck. Learn to say it. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And that's where I am. <laughs> okay. That lady is my hero. Okay. She's a queen. The whole time I'm like, go off, queen. Stunt on these motherfuckers. All right. Uh, she deserves a very stiff drink of four roses to kick her feet up and have a nice mellow little moment. I love it. I love that kind of shit, all right? But she was like, it's bull fucking shit. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, she had me dying, man. She was killing me, all right? Now, the next one is also pretty funny, okay? I was speaking with a guy who we'll call Leroy, all right? And Leroy was telling me about people stealing from the CVS that he worked at. 
and he was asking me how long you've been driving today. Do you get crazy riders? And I said some of them. Like I, I get crazy stories more than I get crazy riders, but but some of them are you know a, a little crazy. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I go wherever the rides are, and, and that takes me all over the fucking place, you know? So I told him about uh, the guy who claimed that Woody Harrelson was his cousin, and, and I was kind of, like, freaked out after that a little bit. You know, no judgment, no judgment. I'm just saying, I was kind of like, oh, God, that guy's, I don't know. I don't know if he's all there, right? Um, but, but I started telling him a story that I didn't put on last week's podcast. I don't know why. I, I just, you know, I, I didn't think it was that funny. Um, but his reaction to the story made me go, huh, okay, all right, maybe, maybe that's funnier than I thought, okay? So you tell me, all right? Uh, he asked me what the most annoying person with that I've ever had to deal with driving. So here it is. I picked up a dude two weeks ago, okay? And on the app, it was saying picking up someone named Phoebe. Not the real name, but it was a woman's name, okay? So we'll just say that the app said Phoebe. So I'm like, okay, Phoebe, cool, whatever. So I pull up at a bar, and this dude gets in. And I'm like, hey, for Phoebe? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Guy's stumbling fucking drunk, okay? And that's why I don't. I typically don't drive too late at night. I don't really like dealing with a lot of drunk people. I like taking people to and from work and having actual conversations. People get in, they're stumbling fucking drunk. I don't know if they're going to puke, if they're going to piss themselves, if they're going to fucking... I, 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 it's, just, it's just too many variables, okay? Um, but this guy's wasted. Fucking white girl wasted, all right? And he gets in, says that Phoebe is his mom. And so I'm like, okay, so it's just you getting in? He's like, yep. And what was annoying about this guy was that uh, he, 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 he wouldn't wear a seatbelt. He was sitting up between the two seats, like talking to me, like he would, he would sit up between the two seats. He was touching me, you know, on the arm. I kept on having to ask this guy, please sit back, like put your seatbelt on. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to keep it calm. Hey man, please, please put your seatbelt on. You know, like I kept having to repeat myself. And then at one point, and mind you, like I haven't, I haven't really said much to this guy at all, just because he's just already like he got in and his presence fucking annoyed me. Okay, and I'm just trying to get this guy to where he's going and get him the fuck out of my car. Okay, and at one point he goes, "So you seem like a pretty sharp guy. Why are you driving Uber? Like, like what are you doing driving Uber?" And and I'm, as I'm telling this story. To this other writer, I'm like, which is really kind of him saying, like, why are you such a low life piece of shit? Like, that's how I took it, right? So I'm like, this fucking guy who's using his mom's Uber account, and he's 40 or 50 fucking something years old, pissed drunk, is sitting here giving me shit, and it's like 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. So I'm like, this guy has no fucking room to talk. And my writer is like laughing his ass off. And he's like, <laughs> he's a low life. He's a low life. That's funny, man. That's funny. Uh, so yeah, that is the most annoying writer that I've ever had. I don't even know the guy's fucking real name. He's just, you know, 40, 50, bombed on a fucking Wednesday, midday, sitting here like, so what are you doing driving Uber? You seem pretty sharp. <laughs> like, hey, you know, fuck me, right? Fuck me. Um, and then uh, the, the guy that I'm telling that story to, he says, dude, I, I, had, a, I had a driver tell me one time um, that she had to kick two people out because they were having sex in her back seat. And she was like, okay, y'all need to get out of here right now. And they were drunk having sex in her back seat. I'm like, holy shit, that's crazy. Okay, which is a perfect segue. And I say that to say this. 
listener stories. You listening right now, I'm sure you or somebody that you know has had some crazy Uber stories that you've encountered as a rider. And if you do, and if you think they're good enough, okay, or like like earlier, you know, the 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 story that I told about the car crash wasn't really that good, but it was just kind of an interesting story. So I told it, right? If you've got anything like that, send it to me. Binnytomp18 at gmail.com. I will keep it anonymous. No one will know. I omit any and all details that could possibly identify people. And again, because the whole point of this is entertainment, not to out anybody. Okay. I've been there before. I've been outed. It sucks. And that's not what I'm about. I'm just trying to tell some stories and, and keep it light and keep it moving. Okay. So send me your Uber stories, bennytomp18 at gmail.com, and if they're good enough, I'll put them on the podcast, all right? <sighs> wow, I, I, I think those, are, those ones are pretty good. Those ones are pretty good. If you made it this far, congrats. Good to have you here. A uh, couple more things that I want to get to, okay? More Uber stories in a minute, but first, I got to tell you about my friends at Four Roses Bourbon, who would like me to remind you that winning deserves a worthy reward, and you should celebrate life's wins with Four Roses family of award-winning bourbons. Sit back, relax, take a sip, and savor the victory. Learn more at fourrosesbourbon.com. Be mellow. Be responsible, my friends. And now, more Uber stories. The craziest shit that I saw all week. Again, these aren't necessarily stories that people tell me. This is just stuff that I encounter driving around the city, you know, however many hours per week, okay? First of all, there was a man running down the emergency lane on 64, right before the 137 exit, and he was sprinting all out, okay? He was running to get, because I was like, where the hell is this guy going? There's a truck that stopped in the emergency lane. He's wearing like, you know, he's got the hat, he's got the shirt, he's got the pants, the boots, and they're all the same color. Like, he's obviously a driver. He is sprinting down the emergency lane. And not even the emergency lane. Like, I'm talking about the little sliver on the far left of the fast lane that's like two or three feet wide, if three feet. Probably not even that. Okay, he is like between the median and my left tires. I'm in the fast lane. He is sprinting, full-on sprint. And I didn't see it at first, but I saw this dolly that he was going to that's fucking mangled. I mean, this thing looked like it had been spit out by a dinosaur or something. I didn't see how it got like that, but I'm what, what the only thing that I could guess is that it fell off of this dude's truck and somebody, maybe a car, hit this thing, or, or ran ran it over, like, that's the only thing that I can think about, you know, and, and I gotta think that because he was dressed like a driver, that it was probably, a, like, the dolly off of his truck, or, you know, because, like, what good Samaritan is going to risk their life in that little tiny space on the freeway, where cars are whizzing by, pew, 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 and he's gonna risk his life just, just, just to do a good deed, and move that thing out of the, no way, no way, that guy, and 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 it makes me think like, <laughs> what 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 you know what hit it? Like, was it another big semi truck? Was it somebody's Toyota Camry that absolutely got fucking demolished? Like, I have no idea. But there was no, there was there there was nothing else that I saw 
Um, or maybe it didn't even fall off of his truck. Like maybe it fell off of somebody else's truck. That's the guy that hit it and mangled it like that. And he was running because he didn't want to kill anybody else. Because this thing was like, you know, I'm not going to lie, this thing was kind of in the road a little bit. Um, so he was he was sprinting to get that out because if somebody else ran that over, dude, it, 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 you, it, it, it might kill somebody. I mean, it seriously might kill somebody. That was pretty crazy. That was pretty crazy. Um this one, this one was just kind of funny. Um, I, I don't know why. I'm still kind of have a sophomoric humor about some of this stuff, but uh, somewhere downtown, I I was stopped at a red light, and I saw a guy bending over, and his like whole ass crack was hanging out. He was a big fat guy, and I, you know what? I don't, I don't like I, the thing I've never understood about people that like uh, consistently have or show an ass crack. How do they not feel it? You know what I mean? Like, how, how do you not feel it or know, hey, my ass is exposed, like half my ass is exposed? You know, because I, I imagine it being similar to like if you if you sag your pants, you can feel where your boxers end and your shorts begin, right? Midway down your ass. So if you are like, wouldn't it be cold? You catch a little draft and be like, oh, my cheeks are out. You know what I mean? Like, how can you not know? How can you not know? But some people, they walk through life with just ass crack exposed. This was one of those guys. And I literally pull up to the stop sign. I look to the left and I just see this big, fat, white ass crack hanging out. <laughs> it was pretty funny. All right. And then somewhere downtown, I can't remember where this was, uh, but I see... These two cars stopped, and I guess they had probably gotten in a car accident. Like sometimes, I you know, I, I have never actually physically seen a car accident occur in real time, but I've you know driving so much, I have driven past the scene of an accident within, I mean, what had to have been minutes since the accident happened, right? Where there's no cops, um, no first responders, EMT people fired, none of that stuff, right? And these people had just gotten in a fender bender. I don't know how it happened, didn't see it, but this dude was, somehow his door, like his passenger rear door had come off, like completely come off, and he was picking it up, okay, off of the ground and shoving it in, like it was like a piece of furniture that he was having to move, okay, it was it was pretty crazy, I put a, I put a, a picture of that up on my story, and so for some of you guys that saw that earlier in the week, and, and some of you, you know, kind of like slid into the DMs, you're like, holy shit, like, yeah, that that's, if I see crazy shit, and I'm, I'm, I'm like stopped, you know, um, and it just depends on, like, if I have a rider or something with me, like, I'm not going to be on my phone like that, but if I'm driving around, and it's just me in the car, or we're stopped, it's a red light, busy intersection, something like that, and I see something crazy going down, then I'll, I'll try to get a pick for it and throw it up on my Instagram story, at BennyTomp18, alright? Uh, one-liners, one-liners of the week. I just got two of them here. So, uh, we'll, we'll start with a very nice compliment that I received from this kid that I picked up and took home. The name on the app was saying a girl's name, so I, I was expecting a girl to get in, but I pull up, and it's a young dude, and his mom was the one that, that called an Uber for him. So we started talking, and I was like asking him, you know, what he does. Are you a student? Yeah. High school? Yeah. You play any sports? Yeah. He said he's a hooper. Uh, he said he was a junior. He played basketball all his life, but he had been cut from the team um, before, and he was really hoping like to go back out again, but, you know, with COVID and everything... He was just kind of sounding really unsure about it all because 
they were doing tryouts at two different times, and he was in the second round of tryouts. But he was telling me like he had been practicing and, and he was going to go for it. And, and the whole time, you know, I'm just encouraging him. And I said, you know, man, listen, like people get cut, you know, people get fired. It's just part of life. Like it doesn't mean that you suck. It doesn't mean you're a piece of shit. It just means for whatever reason at that time, it, it just it just wasn't right. It just wasn't a good fit. OK, but but that doesn't mean that later on you can't come back and, and be a good fit and be a value. Right. And be good enough. So don't don't take it like it, it, just just keep that perspective about it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. And he was like, yeah, you know, the, the, the whole point is to move on and just be better next year when you get cut. And, and then we were talking about um, the NBA. We were talking about LeBron James. Like, he got me reminiscent on the Miami Heat days, right, because he was a big LeBron James fan. And we were just talking about how sick it was when he was down there with D. Wade, white hot, winning championships. And, and it was really just a good vibe. It was really just a good vibe. So when we pull up at his house and I'm about to stop, I was like, hey, man, good luck. You know, I, I really hope you make the team and uh, I hope it all works out for you. And he said, thanks. And he gets out of the car. And just before he shuts the door, he said, you know, I really hope I get you as an Uber driver again. You're like the coolest one I've ever had. And I was like, thanks, man. And he shut the door and went inside. And I was like, my G, my G right there, my man. All right. Now, uh, next one-liner and, and last one-liner. And I guess, look, these, these one-liners are both, uh, <laughs> one's, one's uh, well, th- his was like a one-liner to me. Um, this is a one-liner of something that I said to somebody else. I could have taken uh, a couple of those things and, and just do, did the one-liners like out of the earlier stories. You know, when uh, she's talking about uh, being in controlling marriages, when she's not the one in control, and and um, there was another one uh, that that was really really good. Uh, but like I was like, you know what? These fit into a larger part of the story. So. Um, not a whole lot of one-liners this week, but this one was, I thought this one was pretty funny, okay? I pick up uh, these three 50-plus ladies from either Kingfish or Riverhouse or like one of those restaurants down there. I don't know, okay? But they all pile in the back seat, and they're pretty toasty, all right? And they're pretty toasty. And I'm taking them out to drop them off in J-Town. So, like, we've got a pretty, you know, lengthy ride, right? The entire ride was awesomely entertaining because... They loved me, and I'm just basking in their interest in me, okay? Asking questions, oh, you're so cute, blah, 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 blah. And remember, guys, this is like my wheelhouse, right? I mean, any, you know, really, like, I, I do pretty well with women, okay? I've got a girlfriend, all right, babe? Listen, I'm, I'm behaving, all right? I'm just, I, I do pretty well with women, okay? But especially, I, I just, older women are my niche. I don't know, you know? It's just like my wheelhouse. So I've got these ladies rolling, okay? I'm telling stories, but the one liner here comes as one of these ladies is fumbling with her seatbelt for like a minute or so, okay? Right when we had kind of taken off, probably been going for like three minutes, and the lady in the middle, she just, she really can't get her seatbelt. I don't know, you know, she's just really, she can't figure it out. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that seatbelt, like if you're riding in the middle, that can kind of be tricky if you're already between two people, right? But she's really struggling to buckle up. And now her friend is like leaned over trying to help her. And her friend keeps on going, where is your hole? 
where is your hole? And the friend who's sitting in the middle snorts as she's laughing so hard now. And, and now we're all laughing, right? But for like a minute at least, she just, this girl keeps on saying, I, I can't find my hole. I can't find my hole. It's buried. And then I say in like in this exaggerated deep voice, let me know if I can help you in uh, finding that, ladies. And they all fucking cackled. They all lost it. They thought it was so funny. And she's like, I can't find my hole, Ben. <laughs> and and another says, her hole is deep. And then the other's laughing. And the one in the middle says, well, my hole's not very deep, but this seat buckle is. <laughs> and, and I said, hey, that's why the fellas love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they they were just oh we had a we had such an awesome ride. We had such an awesome ride. So that was really good. Um that's all I got as far as the stories go. Man, I I spent a lot of time uh going through my notes uh to 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 make these stories as good as possible. And I and I really really hope that you've enjoyed these. And if foul language offends you, then find another podcast. You know, my grandpa, I love my grandpa to death so much. More than more than more than life itself sometimes but he was like yeah you know i was listening to one of your podcasts and i had to turn it off too much foul language i'm like well grandpa then you know what these stories probably aren't for you you know savor the pristine image and and remember me for the way that i was until i fully leaned into this because you know what this is how i talk on a regular basis this is how i talk with my writers most of them um and this is how my writers talk like this is how people talk man this is how people talk. It's not all, oh, uh, let's make sure that we're on our best behavior here. Fix my little bow tie. Like, no, 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 come on, dude. Fuck that shit. Uh, this is real talk. This is what we do, okay? So I'll have uh, Uber stories for you next week, okay? Part seven. And I will have Tim Schladen on the podcast on Friday. That's tomorrow. Uh, week kind of got away from me a little bit. Um, and I will, uh, tell you about my guest next week when next week rolls around. All right. So that's it for the Uber stories. I, I do have a couple of takes and I, I, I didn't do these before because I wanted to go ahead and get into these stories because I knew that this was going to be a longer podcast. And it's not that, um, it's, it's not that I don't think that these things are more important than the stories. I, I, I do clearly think that they are. Uh, but you know, I was already 20 minutes into like the intro before I even got to the Uber stories. And that's the part where I was going to start to get into kind of some more serious topics here as we kind of continue on. And I was like, you know what, if I do this stuff, then it, it might be an hour before people get to the Uber stories. And, and like, people's attention spans are fleeting. You know, I, I might have somebody that listens to it that that only listens to like 10 minutes or five minutes. You know, you never know how, 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 uh, how long you're going to be able to hold somebody's attention. So I hope that by building from start to finish or like from, from kind of like, oh, these stories are kind of decent to like the better stories was a good structure. You guys enjoyed that. Still kind of working some things out with these. And I hope that by now um, you're still listening, but I, but I didn't want to start and have, um, you know, be like an hour into the podcast, not even have gotten to the Uber stories and people just aren't tuning into the Uber stories at that point, right? Because they've already tuned me out. So I, I didn't want that. So that's why I waited to do this stuff. And, uh, you know, here we are. But I got three things that I want to talk about, spend some time talking about, okay? Um, the first, 
So, like I said, last night, uh, yesterday, Wednesday, I was in my studio from 11 a.m. to literally 7 p.m., like working on um, that part of the podcast. And then um, I come upstairs, I'm about to eat some dinner, I'm literally about to eat dinner and tape and put a podcast out and get it out around 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. And it probably still would have been probably pretty too late for some people. Um, but but I was like, you know, I just kind of want to get this thing out. But I go upstairs, I turn on the TV hoping to catch some of the NBA playoff game uh, while I kind of eat, spend 20 minutes, get back down, tape, get it out, good to go. Um, but the NBA last night suspended all of its games and all the games tonight have been suspended. Uh, MLB teams have suspended games. There are college football teams and programs that are sitting out of practices and workouts all around the country um, because, unfortunately, this comes in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting. Uh, Jacob Blake, 29-year-old father of three, gunned down by police officers who shot him seven times in the back. Okay, And I have watched the videos and... What it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? It it just it doesn't make sense to me. And let me unpack that, okay? Neither of those two videos do. Um, this guy is walking to his car where his three kids are. His three kids, three, five, and eight years old, are in the car screaming. We don't know really we know that the cops got called because there were two ladies that were fighting. And to me, here's, here's, here's what I honestly think when I watch that video and when I think about what probably likely happened, here's what I think. I think you've got two cops that are, you know, Wisconsin guys that are going into a situation that they're already nervous, they're already on edge, they see black, that accelerates that nervousness in them because they just, you know, that's just how it goes for cops. And it's fucked up and that's wrong. But a lot of times, like, that's that's what Black Lives Matter is about. It's like, my skin is not a weapon. Don't come into a hostile situation with extra hostility because I'm black because it, it can only go, like, it, it doesn't have a, a lot of room for much more escalation in that sense. It's it's like, you're, it, bad shit's gonna go down, okay? These two cops show up. Girls are fighting. I think that Jacob Blake was likely tangled up with those girls. You know how girls fight, man. This guy's, according to neighbor eyewitness accounts, this guy, Jacob Blake, was trying to break up the fight between these two girls in which the cops are called on in the first place. They're responding to that, a domestic dispute at a barbecue. I bet they're on the ground pulling hair they don't let go of that kind of shit. They're fighting. Blake is in the middle of them trying to get them separated. Cops come. They all start wrestling around. Blake gets up. He's like, man, fuck this. Like, I don't need this shit, right? Like, done with dealing with those two girls. Now that the cops are there, he's walking away because he's like, man, y'all handle this shit. I'm done with that. He's walking to the car where his kids are now screaming and are, are, are just like in shock. And he's going to check on them, opens up the door. The cops are following him, shoot him in the back seven times, use deadly force. They, they, the, the, they're, the, it is a fact. There was a knife on the floorboard no proof that he had a knife in his hand. No proof that there that he was going to reach for that. In my opinion, I honestly think he was probably going to check on his kids and get them to chill out. I do not think that this guy was going to his car to try and kill the police officers. That's what I believe, okay? You believe whatever you want to believe. 
and a lot of white people. I'm seeing a lot of white people saying, well, he shouldn't have been doing that, you know? Cops don't know if he's reaching for a gun. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be walking away like hey, like fine, fine. Like I listen, I get that police have a right to defend themselves. Okay? That's true. But why does it have to be deadly force that's used to defend themselves? You're a big man. You're letting this guy walk to his car. You're not doing anything about it. Apprehend him. They did tase him. Apparently it didn't do anything. You I don't know, man. Get better tasers. Use a stun gun. Like, do what you got to do if you actually feel threatened. But why does it have to be so permanent? Why do you have to shoot this guy seven times? He's lucky that he lived. He's lucky that he lived. He's lucky to be alive. He's paralyzed. The man's fucking paralyzed. You know, I, I that sucks. And his three children just saw their dad get shot. Okay? You don't think, like, like generational hatred? You know... That, you know where that comes from? Like, the, you know why black people say fuck the police? It's because they grow up seeing their dads and their brothers and their sisters and their moms and their aunts get shot and thrown up against cop cars and beat to fucking death. That's why. That's why. So here's three kids, three, five, and eight years old who are going to grow up all their lives with probably a pretty bad taste of police in their mouth because they watched their dad get fucking paralyzed by some trigger-happy cop that didn't, what, what wasn't a big enough man to, to step in and either subdue, subdue the guy, leg sweep him, wrestle him to the ground, whatever, or use, use another, I, I don't know, man, use another taser. Like, if the first taser doesn't work, then why do you even have it in the first place? If a taser isn't going to, to subdue somebody, then what fucking good is it, okay? And the thing with him having a knife in the car, fine, fine. But but it's he wasn't brandishing a knife. He wasn't swinging a knife at anybody. He wasn't threatening the police with a knife, saying, I'm going to stab you, I'm going to slit your fucking throat, anything like that. The, 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 the media, okay, and the right-wing media and right-wing conservatives and right-wing white people who are defending the use and, and saying that the police were justified in shooting him seven times in the back, in the back, okay, are saying, he had a knife. He had a knife. He had a knife in the car. Okay, you know what? That's as relevant as also saying he had three pieces of gum, a wadded up 7-Eleven receipt, and 93 cents in the dashboard too. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter what he had in the car. Even if he had a gun in the car, fine. It, I, 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 I see no video evidence of him acting menacingly towards the police officers in any way. In any way at all, you know? And again, this comes back to a blatant lack of respect and no regard for human life when it's a black life. That's literally the entire point of Black Lives Matter. Treat us the same way that you would treat a white person, okay? Police will give white people every benefit of the doubt. Speak calmly to them. Give them second chances. Beg and plead before doing anything. But when it's a black person, cops shoot first, ask questions later. And there's been a lot of videos that have surfaced where there is literally white people doing some crazy shit that if black people did, they'd be fucking gone. And you know what happens? The, 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 I, I saw a video where a white guy is literally wrestling, trying to take this cop away from the gun, or the, the gun away from the cop, and the cop still isn't shooting him. He's yelling, get on the ground, get on the ground, get on the ground. The guy's not listening. He's not complying, okay? But because he's white, he's not being shot up 15 times, 7 times, whatever. And you know what happens? That white guy, he ends up getting the gun away and shooting the two cops and killing them. 
But we, but 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 but, but <laughs> you know, we want to talk about the black guy who's a threat. Okay, like that's that, that's that's literally the only difference. Like it it, it just you know, when, when it's a white person, it's let's let's deescalate. Let's let's get this person just oh please sir listen to us like oh we're pleading we're begging with you. When it's black person, just shoot him and figure it out later. You know. And you know the cops they haven't been charged with anything. Uh look, it, this is really simple. This is super simple. Anytime somebody dies, there should be an arrest. That's manslaughter. There should be an arrest. Cops should be arrested by other cops when they kill people, when they shoot people. That's either I mean it, it's got to be something, man. It's got to be manslaughter or murder, okay? Cops should be held accountable. If you kill somebody and you're a civilian, even involuntarily, you run them over with your car, you get charged, you go to court, and you present the facts, and you let the judge decide. That's how it happened. That's that's how it should happen every single time. But too often, these cops in the streets are being the judge, the jury, and the executioner. There is no chance. There is no chance for, for, for both sides to be heard. Uh, it's bullshit that Breonna Taylor's murderers still haven't been charged with anything. You guys realize that they took an innocent woman's life, kicked down her door to her home, shot her, and left her laying there like a dog. Not even in their own home are black people safe from law enforcement. Do you understand that? Like, do, 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 do you understand that uh, black people feel like we can't go to the movies, we can't go to the store, we can't go for a run. We can't have our sons play with toy guns and play army and cops and robbers and soldiers because they'll get shot and they're 12 years old. We can't even sit inside the goddamn house without people wondering, is some motherfucker going to kick my down and shoot my shit and start blasting? White people, do we have those problems? Nah, not really. That, that is the point of Black Lives Matter, dude. It's not political it's, it, it's a human rights issue, okay? And yeah, I have a lot of questions about those videos too. I have a lot of questions that are going to, I'm, I'm just going to have to wait and see what the facts come out, right? The DOJ has released already their investigation and kind of their initial findings. Um, and, and thank God uh, that this guy lived and we're going to be able to know what happened. But there's just so many questions. Like why are, why are cops wrestling with him on the ground in the first place? I gave you what I think probably was happening, but why why did that happen? You know, why are cops responding to a call for two women fighting, and then how does their attention shift to the black man? How does that go from, we're here to do this, oh, now here's a black guy, oh, now he's a threat, oh, eliminate the threat. How does that happen? Why is Jacob Blake going to the car? You know, maybe he is going for a weapon. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, but also, maybe it is because he's got three screaming kids under the age of nine years old, and he needs to go in there and, and cool them out. And, and I, you know, if, if, if my, you know, if, if my speculation on, on the video and, and, and kind of like what, what I see happening there um, is, is true, then that's probably why he's like walking nonchalantly. Like, he's got his back turned. He doesn't see that as soon as he gets up, cops are pointing guns at him. He's going to the car. They're, yeah, they're yelling. But man, I, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to turn around and shoot them. And the cops don't know either. And that's fine. 
But 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 why don't the cops have body cameras on? Why why don't the cops instead of shooting him seven times and like I said a permanent thing, why don't they have some other kind of a way to subdue him that isn't shooting him dead? You know what I mean? Like that that that's a problem. Okay? It's a problem that these cops don't have body cameras on. I don't know why that isn't standard operating procedure nationwide. All cops should have body cameras on. All cops should have body cameras that are working, functional, turned on. Okay? It's frustrating. It's very frustrating that Breonna Taylor's murderers had body cameras, but yet they weren't turned on. Like, that's fucking bullshit. If you're going to wear it, fucking wear it. Okay? And then at least, like, there's no gray area, man. Just like my boy earlier was saying, like, I, this gray area, man, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deal with it. Like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. And I agree with that. Okay? I don't know why that isn't standard operating procedure. Thankfully, God willing, Jacob Blake is going to make it, and he'll actually live to tell his side of the story and can speak on what happened, give his side, right? Um, you know, the cops say that they found a, a, a knife in his car. Okay, fine. Like, prove that he had the intent to use it on you. Prove that that's why he was going to the car. Prove that it's relevant in any way. If I got a car of uh, full of screaming kids, three, five, and eight years old, and there's no handcuffs on me, I'm not under arrest, I'm walking to my kids and telling them to cool out too, you know? Like, but but I, I've talked about this before. Black skin should not be a strike against you. And too often it is. Too often it is. For some people, it's two and three strikes against them. Okay? But to law enforcement, they see black, it fits the description, they assume guilt, and that any and every black person is, is their perp or is a threat. And when you go into... Any situation with that kind of hostility, guns drawn, screaming and shit, it's only going to escalate from there. Him going to his car doesn't justify the use of deadly force to me. It doesn't. And people defending the use of deadly force uh, being used to, um, you know, just so willfully, carelessly, without any accountability, clearly do not care about black lives. That's the whole point. Just like George Floyd. You know, you you <laughs> ignorance reveals itself. Okay, you people reveal yourself. People wanted to bring up the fact that George Floyd had a criminal record. So what? Does that justify him losing his life? Does that justify what happened that day? Absolutely not. But then the same people who would point these things out and decry violent thugs are the ones who turn around and shoot innocent people. Like this dumb fuck 17-year-old hillbilly obsessed with Blue Lives Matter up in Wisconsin who shot and killed two protesters, injured another with an AR-15. First of all, why the fuck does a 17-year-old kid have an AR-15? How do you even get that? Okay, why are armed militia members taking matters into their own hands? There's a lot of people that are like, well, they're defending their businesses. They're defending their right. This kid came from out. He didn't even live in Wisconsin. He lives in Illinois. And he drives up to Wisconsin because he thinks there's going to be a fight. He's ready for some action. He's just dying to shoot some fucking people. And he goes up there, and that's exactly what he does. And then you know what? He waves. He walks right by the police, the National Guard, whoever it is that's driving by, and he's allowed to go home, and he's arrested the next morning. You don't see a difference in that? You don't see a difference in a kid 
walking around with a fucking AR-15, kills a couple people, walks right past law enforcement. He's not on the ground. He's not shot dead. He's not treated like a threat. Come on, man. You you you, you really can't be that blind. You really can't be that blind unless you're really trying, unless you're turning a blind eye to it, okay? And And I'm calling you out for that. Recognize you're doing it. Recognize it's fucked up if you still want to sit here and talk to me about that. Now, kind of in the same vein, um, some <laughs> here, let's let's continue to call some people out, okay? Um, because speaking of some other fucking idiots saying some dumbass shit, everybody was on this out-of-town protesters thing earlier this week in Louisville, okay? There was a lot of talk about this, and a lot of wrong information was shared amongst social media, amongst families, and the thing that I kept on saying when that stuff happens, stuff like this happens, right? It reminds me of that game of telephone that we used to play in grade school. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody's kind of in a circle. One person starts with a message. You see how much it changes as it goes around every time it's told. And every time that message gets shared or retold, Something's forgotten, something's added, something changes to the point where when it gets to the end, you're like, how the fuck did we even get here, right? That was not how this thing started at all. And that's how this hype train started earlier this week in Louisville, Kentucky, okay? Oh, they're bussing people in. There's going to be carjackers, murderers, kidnappers, violent thugs with ties to organized crime, stopping cars, beating innocent people, accosting women. <laughs> to all you conservatives and anti-Black Lives Matter people out there, do you know how fucking stupid you look today? You know how fucking stupid you look this week? These old white people on Facebook with the thin blue line profile pictures fanning the flames, sending out stuff and sharing stuff that's just wrong, just factually wrong. You people are the First to hop on Trump's dick and decry fake news, but you are literally fake news. You are literally spreading fake news. There's an old Drake line that says, take a look at yourself, the mirror's revealing, okay? Some of you seriously need to think about how hard you just got got. But they'll make up excuses, and they'll find another way to point the finger. No accountability. We can't trust the media. Oh, okay, fine. But you trust Ruby Dean and Betty Sue and Martha fucking May on Facebook? You guys are fucking morons. I kid you not. I got a text from my mom to me and my brother. And mom, I'm not slamming you that... I'm not trying to slam you and call you a fucking moron, but I'm just saying, like, you sent this text to us and it was copied from a group text, okay? And so my mom wasn't the one spread like like uh, originating this information. She was just sending it to us like so many other mothers do when they're concerned about their kids' well-being, okay? But I, I point this out because it comes from a group text that she has with a handful of ladies that live in the neighborhood that, they, that, that my parents live in. And it begins like this. This is the person that I'm calling out. Quote, this came from a very reliable source. And then in parentheses, security to Jack. He won't let me share from whom, okay? And it's a screenshot of what appears to be a message on some kind of a wire service that says a group of individuals is planning to shut down Louisville and fuck shit up. They're going to shut down the interstate so no one can get in or out. They're going to be murderers, carjackers, rapists. Be aware, ladies. Well, <laughs> uh, Jack... I don't know you, but you're a fucking idiot, okay? And your reliable source 
he or she is also a fucking idiot. The lady spreading that around, you're all fucking idiots, okay? Have you people no shame? Like, I feel like, uh, you know, w- when you're that wrong, you should have to own it and be like, hey, hey, my bad, I was wrong. But, but you know, people just shrug it off and they get suckered into the next thing. They just go on and on and on, on to the next thing. And there's never any any kind of reconciliation for it. And and when I when I hear something like that being discussed, like, do I believe that people are coming from out of town? Probably, but so what? Do I believe that them marching and protesting will lead to some roads being temporarily inaccessible while their caravan passes? Probably, but so what? They're walking, okay? But do I think that their goal is to shut down the city, to loot and riot and burn shit down and fuck shit up and rape women and shoot innocent people? No, and you shouldn't either because it's fear-mongering. That's all it is. Some of you people are so dumb, I bet I could sell you boogeyman insurance too. And you know what? You buy it every time. And the funniest thing about it, these are the same people who call others sheep for not thinking for themselves and blindly believing what the media tells them. And that's funny because from here on out, this is all I hear when y'all open your mouths. Next. But it's like, you know, people want to say, oh, the violent thugs, they're coming. Watch out, ladies, and get all of white Prospect and white Oldham County and white Louisville all freaked out. All these old people, white hair people. And you know what? Look, 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 look who really comes in and really stirs shit up. It's the armed militias. It's the fucking Rittenhouse kid up in Wisconsin that comes in with an AR-15 locked, ready to go, running down the street, thinking he's fucking Rambo. Okay? Yeah. This shit gets me fired up, man. This shit gets me fired up because it's just stupidity. It's just stupidity. Now, last thing that I want to get to, okay? Speaking of stupidity, Tom Brenneman. Good old Tom, okay? Well, well, well. Another insensitive remark and another ignorant ass apology. This is going back about uh, about a couple weeks now, but Tom Brenneman... Cincinnati Reds broadcaster, local, a lot of Reds fans around here, right, 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 right? Okay, Tom Brenneman was on the call as the Reds were playing the Kansas City Royals, and he said something that you're not supposed to say. Here it is. One of the fag capitals of the world. Reds Live, the pregame show presented by Ray St. Clair Roofing. Now, we don't know what city he was talking about. I can only, the only reason that I think that he's that he is talking about Kansas City is because uh, the movie Blazing Saddles, there's a line in that movie where one of the guy goes jumping around like a bunch of Kansas City and then uses that word to describe them. And so that's like, that's the only reason that I think maybe, I don't know, maybe, is there something there? Is there a perception about Kansas City um, where where it would be one of the bleep capitals of the world, like he says. I'm like, look, look, I'll cuss on this thing, but I'm not going to use hate speech, okay? That that does cross a line to me. And this crosses a line. Obviously, as these things go, some people were outraged, and some people defended Tom Brenneman against cancel culture. But here's the thing. Yes, I have an issue with using that word. I think it's a word rooted in hate and ugliness, it's an insult. It's demeaning. 
and it's meant to cut somebody down when used. Think about it like this. Why, why is he even saying that in the first place? Like, in my opinion, I, I think he's pointing it out to laugh at it, to say, I'm above them and they're below me. It's one of the bleep capitals of the world. Oh, look at them. <laughs> like, like, why else even say it? Think about that, right? Think about if he substituted the phrase and said something like, you know, just randomly, right? Like, why is he randomly saying it? Think about if, if he changed some things and said something like this. That city has one of the highest per capita gay and lesbian communities in the world. Okay, but why is that even relevant? Like, where are you going with that, Tom? Would you like to please elaborate on that? Like, where does that even come from where you feel like you got to point it out? Obviously, if you're bringing that up, you have some other thoughts there, and it doesn't sound like they're probably coming from a good place. Okay, but but here is also a, a pretty big issue I have with the apology he gave is that it totally lacked awareness. You can't say, that's not who I am, if that's clearly who you are. What you say in private, you hide in public, right? A man or woman's true character is revealed time and time again when no one is around and no one else is watching or listening. And what we do in those moments is who we are. It is. It's the truest form of self. So to use that kind of hate speech and then claim that you don't use hate speech That's just a lack of self-awareness that I I just can't get over. What a fucking idiot. And then here's the the thing with cancel culture, okay? If the internet had its way, Tom Brenneman would be burned at the stake or forced to live on a remote island somewhere, Uh, a societal castaway banished to confinement with no timetable for return and no chance at reconciliation. Now, I don't think all of that should happen. I don't know Tom personally. I've met Marty multiple times. I love Marty. I think he's a legend. I, I, I don't know Tom, but I don't think he's a total piece of shit. I, I, I think he used a word that you shouldn't be using. Like, even if you are pro-LGBTQ and donate millions of dollars to their charities, you've got a gay brother or your mom is gay or whatever, they're, 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 like, people use those excuses, but there is no excusing that kind of language. It's just not. There's just no excuse for it. He might do all those things. And he might tell you, I don't hate gay people, but sometimes I use that word. Well, don't. Well, fucking don't. Okay, do yourself a favor. Because that all might be true. Maybe you don't hate gay people, Tom Burnerman. But understand that you're using a word that is used by people who do hate gay people. It's hateful. And it's hurtful. And it's discriminatory. And it's damaging to people. And if you don't want people to think that you don't hate gay people or black people or Asian people or trans people or white people or Hispanic people or whoever that you're talking about, then don't use words that describe and marginalize those types of people that are the same words that are used by people who do hate those types of people. You with me? Does that, is that, does that make sense? Okay. It's that simple. And if you're old school and you've had to adjust like so many of our grandparents and aunts and uncles and family friends and coaches, realize that this is the world that we live in today, okay? That shit does not fly anymore. It should never have flown in the first place. I don't want to hear about PC culture and cancel culture when you're the ones that can't get with the times. We should all be held accountable for the things that we say. And when something is out of bounds, let them know. 
That's all it is. Let them know. And sometimes does that mean that people have to lose their jobs and learn the hard way? Yeah, it does. People were upset saying that he shouldn't lose his job from doing the Reds games or doing NFL coverage. But but listen, guess what? Here's a cold, hard fact of life, man. We're all replaceable. We're all replaceable. You might be the most likable guy or girl in the world. Good at your job, think you're hot shit. But guess what? You say some dumbass shit, your bosses are going to replace you with someone who doesn't say some dumbass shit. Should he lose his job for what he said? If I'm making the decision, to me, it, it comes down to this. And it, and it really is this simple. It really is. I can either keep the guy who publicly used hate speech and have a bunch of people pissed off about that, or I got 50 other people who can step up and fill that role tomorrow that don't use hate speech. Kind of a no-brainer. It really is that simple. All right. That is all I got. I'm glad I could get that out. I really had to unload there. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm sick and tired, man. I'm like that lady. I'm sick and tired of the bullshit. I'm sick and tired of the bullshit. All right. But, uh, I feel better. I feel a lot better. <laughs> all right. I feel a lot better. Um, if you enjoy these, if you enjoyed any of the stories, if you enjoyed my takes, if you think I'm a fucking idiot, maybe you think I'm a fucking idiot. Okay. And that's fine. But thanks for listening that long to get here, and, and maybe you'll tell me that, okay? BennyTomp18 at gmail.com. Send me your Uber stories. Leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe there, Spotify, SoundCloud. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomp18 and on our Facebook page at Real Talk WBennyT. Tim Schladen tomorrow. Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe. And uh, buy yourselves a bottle of Four Roses and have yourself a mellow little moment. Oh, okay. I'm never singing again. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.